Good positive vibes, man. It's a beautiful song. Man. What's going on, Milwaukee Mayhem? Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, today is the 5th, December 5th. In one month from today, I turned 28 years old. And uh, that's crazy. That's crazy to me. Ten years ago, I graduated, graduated uh, high school. It's kind of freaking me out. Um, I never know, knew if I'd be, uh, you know, from here. I, you know, like, I never thought I'd be in the position I am 10 years post-high school. Uh, you know, you did, it sneaks up on you. You like, you think, like, when you're a kid, you're like, damn, 28 years old. That's a grown man. That's a grown man. That's what I always thought. And uh, now I guess I'm, uh, I'm going to be a grown man my last month. Of being a 27-year-old. So, I don't know. It had me thinking the other day. Uh, you know, I, I haven't exactly accomplished exactly like what I want to in this time. I know I've had my ups and downs, my demons. And, uh, you know, I don't really know where I'm going with this podcast. But I, I really do appreciate everybody listening. It's really fun to connect with people. I know I was talking about that on the previous podcasts, but it's honestly, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to click with everybody, you know? And, you know, when I was a kid, my mom, she's from Southern California. And when I was five, six years old, something like that, we moved to Harshaw, Wisconsin. Um, and my dad, my birth father, you know, he, when the first winter came, he was a California guy as well. And the first winter came, and he's just like, oh, fuck this, you know? And <laughs> so he just ended up taking off and left my mom with three kids. And, you know, was, and my mom had to figure it out. And you don't realize how much pressure that is for a woman, a person, you know, uh, three people. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately just because my son is four. You know, I, uh, I just... I think about it all the time because I can't imagine what she went through. And I really appreciate my mom. I really, really do. And I need to tell her that more. Uh, you know, and so she had to figure it out. She became a waitress, um, juggling through school as well. And then she eventually met my my father, my the guy who raised me, my my dad. I call him my dad. He's my my ado- he adopted us, but my step my stepdad. Um, but he's he's my father because he raised me, and it was crazy. You know, I was in my own head a lot growing up, and I had a lot of issues subside from 
from my birth father taken off on me, you know, and so my escape was using my imagination. I would always play with my toys, my action figures. I would always write stories. I would always draw. Um, I'd make songs too back in the day. I made a lot of like you know simple songs, but uh, you know that was the only way I could because I didn't want to think about the fact that my dad had left. And you know I met him when I was twenty, and I was looking for looking for love, you know, and just. He told me a bunch of shit, and in the moment I believed him. But looking back, I'm just like, you know what, man? You can say what you want, but at the end of the day, you had a responsibility, and you bailed, you know? And now as a man, I'm able to see that. And as a boy, I mean, 20 years old, yeah, technically you're legally an adult, but you're a fucking child. You're very malleable then. And, uh, you know, so, I don't know, he's just... I loved, I always loved, you know, telling stories to people and always loved making people laugh because I felt like if they were laughing at me or laughing at my stories or my jokes or anything like that, that they would, uh, they would like me. And I always wanted them, people to like me. You know, I always felt really, really like out of place. I always felt like an outsider. I wasn't from the small town in northern Wisconsin. I wasn't from uh, that part of the world, you know. And I didn't identify, like, with a lot of the culture there earlier on. My mom uh, probably had a influence of that as well. And, you know, she'd always be like, oh, this is disgusting. They're hunting, they're fishing, and all that stuff. And, like, I mean, in her defense, I mean, she did not ask to move to Harshaw, Wisconsin, with three kids when she's a valley girl. Like, uh, my, my biological father was, he made, like, some of that rainforest music back in the bookstore uh, that were sold in bookstores, you know. He got a job offer there, and that's why we ended up moving there. And then he ended up, like, robbing people, or not robbing, but just not paying people back, ripping people off. I don't know exactly know what happened. I know he spent a lot of his money on gambling and drugs and stuff like that uh, that would have should have gone to rent and all that stuff, um, and bills and all, all that. And uh, So my mom didn't ask for this, so I think she was bitter. And understandably, understandably so. And, you know, but I never felt... Like, I had a group of people. I never felt like I would, uh, you know, I was always, like, popular in school, but I never felt like I belonged. I was never, like, somebody's best friend, you know? And, like, I was always, like, the second best friend, the third best friend, the outside. And I spent a lot of time people-watching growing up. I still do. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love observing people and just trying to get to know them. And, but you know, like my, it, I was always looking for my social group. I was always looking for love. You know, I'd always, I would get into like really serious relationships like early on, like when I'm like 15, 16, um, even younger, I believe maybe 14 even, uh, you know, and I would get really serious with them, with these girls back in the day. That, like, out of fear that they would leave, you know, like, with with my biological father. And, yeah, I'm drawn to damaged girls, I think, 
because if I could fix them, like maybe, maybe I could fix myself, you know, and it's fucked up to say that, but you know, it's just being honest, I guess. And, uh, you know, I guess with this podcast, I'm not really sure where I want it to go, but I, I love having the comedians on. I love having these MMA fighters on. I love having these good minds on the strength and conditioning coaches. I love, uh, I got a guy for a supplement company on. I got a business owner, a guy who runs a, a venue coming on, Matt, Matt Kempel. Um, you know, and I love learning, learning about these people. But I also want to have like my own chapter where once in a while, I mean, not every week, but we'll, we'll do it when I want, I guess, uh, where I just kind of rant and rave and open up about things going on maybe in my life. And if you guys want to listen, cool. If not, uh, maybe it'll just be good for me to like express myself in another way, even if I'm just talking to a fucking wall, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was, I was always the funny guy. I was always the smiley guy, the laughy guy, but I wasn't okay. And I was always tra- chasing, like, the next adrenaline rush or, like, the sense of attention, getting being the center of attention um, in school, in my circle, like, my group of friends, um, because I wasn't feeling, at the time, I wasn't feeling like I was getting the attention in my house. You know, I got that middle child complex. I got those daddy issues, you know, and, and there's nothing my family could have done differently. We were given the cards we were dealt with. So it's nothing, I'm not trying to like talk bad on that, it's just, just the hands we were, hand we were given, you know? And maybe, maybe that's why I started personal training in the first place, you know, same thing. It's kind of focusing on, uh, other people. But the problem is when you focus on other people and everybody else's issues, you, you never focus on you. And you never focus on your issues. And if you don't focus on your shit, that shit's not going to go away. It's going to keep building. And, you know, I just, I was always afraid that people didn't like me. I know I'm wired wrong in the head. I know I'm, I got a couple screws loose, you know. And uh, my dad, my my adoptive father, Roger, he uh, he raised me and he was great. He's just not a, a big verbal communicator at the time. And I, I think I kind of needed that from a man to be like, dude, you're okay. It's okay. Like Dan, my biological father, he's just a piece of shit. And I know he was trying to be respectful and not trying to like step on toes and, and all that. And it's got to be a weird situation to be in a relationship with a a woman who has three growing kids and like that have full memories of their father, their father. And then he just like takes off and fucks them all up in the head. And, but he wasn't the best verbal communicator back in the day. And he's getting a lot better now as we're getting older, you know, and now as we're men now and, and my sister being a young woman and, uh, you know, I had a lot of abandonment issues from my father. And I was on all these different types of medications growing up, uh, you know, like Adderall, Depakote, uh, Wellbutrin, all that shit. And honestly, man, I, like, looking back, I really think that made my developing mind, like, skewed. You know, uh, amphetamines are fucking crazy. 
a crazy drug that is just legal that you can give to children. It's it's insane. And I'm sure I'm not a doctor. I'm sure there's kids that do need it, but I don't I mean, I don't know, man. I know what I felt like before I was on them and I know what I felt like while I was on them and then afterwards. And I was just it's you get focused, you know, like but and you can get shit done and I do suffer from, you know, I don't know, suffer is the right word, but I do have like ADHD, I do have depression, I do have uh, all this, all these things. But at the same time, when you're doing all this Adderall and all this stuff, it kind of just numbs everything. It doesn't make it better. And, you know, like you get crazy focused with the Adderall, um, but you're without emotion. It's like the reptile side of your brain, like those senses heighten, you know what I mean? And... uh my father, uh, my dad, my the guy who raised me. I'll just for sake of clarity and just so I don't get confused. Uh, my my dad is my dad, the man who raised me. My birth father. I will always specify my birth father. Uh, but so my dad and I, we would get in these conflicts when I was a teenager, and I know it all came from my daddy issues. It wasn't really from my dad. It was from my abandonment. And uh, you know, I was. Failing a class in school, or maybe a couple classes, honestly. And, you know, my mind was always elsewhere. I was never paying attention in school. And my dad said, like, that I was acting stupid. And I just, for whatever reason, I had freaked out. Like, freaked out. I had these, like, set of uh, dumbbells in the uh, in my room that were, like, a one-inch dumbbell. So it's a thin handle, right? And you can take the weights off. So it's just like a metal pipe. And I ended up uh, hitting my dad with this dumbbell in the head. And, man, I can't believe I'm talking about this. And to this day, I I still don't remember actually hitting him with the dumbbell. I blacked out from just this rage. This fucking rage, dude. And I woke up, and he was on top of me, bleeding from his head, and holding me down. And I just remember screaming, I hate you, at the top of my lungs. And I didn't hate him at all. I loved him. Very, like, I still do. I love him. I love him so much. And, but I hated my birth father. For leaving me. And he was the only other male figure I could take it out on. And in my fucked up mind at the time, that was the answer. And so anyways, I got put on probation afterwards. Well, probation for kids. It's technically called supervision. Uh, and then I, I went to juvie, uh, juvenile hall, you know, kid, kid jail. And, uh, you know, I got out, like, I don't know, 10 days later for the court case. And I, when I got out, I was put on, you know, supervision for these uh, probation for kids. And when I got out, I just went down a spiral like, of destruction, just chaos, just being super destructive. You know, my dad and I, we would get in all these fights all the time, verbal. And then we got in another physical fight about six months later 
And the cops, you know, they got called, obviously, because my mom is just like, fuck, he's going to, like, I'm going to kill him. Like, Avery's going to kill him this time, and it's just going to be just Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck are you doing, you know? And uh, so the cops come. My brother restrained me. My big brother restrained me at the time, put me in a rear naked choke or just hold, held me down somehow. He was a... Uh, lot bigger than me at the time and luckily thankfully so or else my life could have probably gone very differently and the cops got called um they come in i remember my brother's just holding me until the cops come and the cops come into my room or into my sister's room that's where the fight had gone into it started in this hallway and got all over the living like the hallway into like into my sister's room kind of pushed through the door you know and <clears throat> the cops come in and they all have their guns drawn on me and my brother because they don't know which one is which and my sisters and my or my my mom and my dad are like, no, it's not the guy holding the guy down. It's not. It's the other one. It's the guy being held down that was the attacker. And I remember looking down like the barrel of the gun for the cop, and just being like, dude, this wouldn't be the worst thing in the world right now if I just get shot out. But I don't want my brother to get involved, and I don't want my brother to get shot, and he's in their crossfires. And you know, I get sent back to juvie right afterwards and this time for a little while and I wasn't able to graduate anymore because I had missed too much school from being in in juvie for too long so my social worker who's like the probation agent for kids had basically given me an ultimatum I was I was in juvie and she comes and visits me and she's like, Avery, you have two options. You can finish your, your time on supervision. You can finish the rest of your sentence uh, and you're not going to graduate high school. Or you can go to this military school called the Challenge Academy, which is located in Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, right outside of like La Crosse area on the western side of the of the state, southwestern side of the state. And so in the moment I'm just like, well, you know, this isn't really working. My family is in turmoil. I've literally ruined the reputation or like my whole relationship with my family right now. I'm a pariah. And props to my parents my mom, she would come visit me a lot when I was in juvie. I remember I had to spend Thanksgiving there one year, the Halloween. Um, you know, it was fucking crazy, dude. And I always knew what I was doing was wrong. But it was easier than just admitting that I was wrong and dealing with it, you know. And I didn't know where it all this anger had come from at the time I was a kid. Um, but, you know, so I decided to go to the military school, long story short. And honestly, so my my, uh, my social worker's rule, or the, the deal was if I get off 
or that I graduate from the Challenge Academy and I don't have any issues there uh, that I would allow to be off supervision um, when I graduate. And then I can resume my life. I was approaching my 18th birthday at this time. I was approaching adulthood. And I could tell that she knew that I, was, I wasn't a bad kid. I just had a lot of issues. And, you know, shout out to, shout out to her for seeing that because I didn't see it back then. I thought I was going to be just a fucking career criminal. You know what I mean? And so I go to Fort McCoy. I go to the Challenge Academy. And it was rough. It was hard. It was hard to have somebody tell me what I cannot, can and cannot do. You know, and I wasn't even allowed to, like, talk. You're not allowed to speak for the first two or three weeks, I believe. Like, no verbal communication at all uh, with anybody at any time, unless a team leader, which is like the equivalent of a uh, drill sergeant there, um, would ask you a direct question, you know? And that's rough, dude. That's, you know, that's hard. Uh but I learned a lot of things there. I learned it's basically like life. You're learning every aspect of life in that in the Challenge Academy. And, you know, it's the best thing I could have asked for for that time. It's the best thing I could have went from. It taught me discipline. It taught me integrity, courage, honor, and commitment. And I will always, always be indebted to them because of this life lesson they gave me. I knew that if I stay the course and I don't give in to temptation and I don't do the easier wrong instead of the harder right, that things can get better, but you have to make it better. And it takes effort. You can't just bumble through shit. And, you know, I... I'm not going to say that my life has been easy since the Challenge Academy. But it, looking back, I graduated from the Challenge Academy about 10 years ago now. And it's crazy to think of all this life lessons that they've taught me that it still comes into my head every time I fuck up. And I've fucked up plenty of times since the Challenge Academy, you know? Uh, plenty. And, but every time, it always goes back to the lessons that they taught me. And I will always, always, always be indebted to that. And, you know, my dad, he, him and I are very close now. And it always weighs on me. And I still feel horrible and guilty every time I see him. He's got a scar on his face from, from the pipe. And I see it every time I see him. And it's the first thing I think of, and I just want to cry. And I just want him to know that I I am so fucking sorry about it. And he knows that. Him and I have had plenty of conversations about it, and he tells me not to worry about it. And then it's all good, and he tells me he loves me, and he's proud of me, and it means the world. But, you know, I guess that's one of the things. Oh, you know, I'm not with my son's mom. But I will never, ever, ever fucking leave my kid. Because I know what that does. And I want my son's mom to 
get married and be happy and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't ever have, uh, or he should never have a stepfather or anything like that. What I'm saying is I will always be there for my son, no matter what. And I'm not a rich guy. I'm not, I don't come from money. My family doesn't come from money. But we all have big hearts and we all care. And there's something to that, you know. And I'll always be there for my son because I know what it does. You know, and I'm still fucked in the head, dude, all the time. I'm all, oh, I'm all over the place. I know it's led some of these issues that he gave me, uh, you know, led to a lot of addiction issues, you know, suffering with just like drug and alcohol addiction that have been back and forth, back and forth. And I've been doing really good with balancing my life out lately. Uh, but it's still there, man. It's still there. There's still this void there, but it's like the shell of me that I just don't, I wonder what I would be like sometimes had he just stayed in the picture. Not even if my parents stayed together, but at least if he would have just been relevant and let us know that he wants to father us. But he gave up like all of his parental rights. He just fucking moved. And yeah, this to episode Kind of turned into an emo fucking emo Nemo thing, dude. Jesus Christ. But my, my mom is a strong woman. And she has her demons as well. Her father took off on her. My grandma committed suicide, jumped in front of a fucking train when we were young. You know, and like... We have this issue, like this history of just mental illness in our family. And I want to, ch- I, I know I can't change my brain. I know I can't rewire it, but I can do things to help. And that's like, uh, I never want to come off as pompous. I never want to come off as like braggadocious or like, like an, e- like an alpha male when I am trying to express myself, but Like, exercise has really, really helped me. Martial arts has really, really helped me. Uh, You know, just being outdoors, being active is like my my escape, you know? Because if I'm pushing my body to the limit, I feel like I don't have to think about it. And I don't have to deal with my demons. And I'm pushing them back into the corner of my mind. They'll always come back. You know, and that was one of the things I realized with just some uh, drug abuse and, you know, substance abuse that I would never deal with my issues. I would just numb them and my demons would just take a little nap. They wouldn't go away, you know, and then, but when, when the money runs out, what are you gonna do? You know, you can't buy, can't buy any more of the shit. You're spending all this money that should be going elsewhere. You're father, following your birth father's path. And I refuse to do that. I refuse to be that person. I refuse to be Daniel Summer. Fuck Daniel Summer. But, <clears throat> man, you know, I, I am, I am my own person. And, I I refuse to be going down the same path. My son knows. 
My son knows that I fucking love him. He knows that. And I can tell. But I will always, 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 always try and strive to give him the life that I didn't have. And I guess that's everybody's goal, you know? And I guess sometimes I get a little down on myself because I I work in a really nice neighborhood. You know, I work in a really rich side of town where people have a lot of disposable income. And I always compare myself to them and what they're able to do with their kids. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like I could, I'd have to save up for years to even fathom that, let alone like all these other bills that I have, you know? And I got to let it not discourage me. I have to let it motivate me because like, yeah, yes, in the reality of things, like they all kind of come from money. Their family comes from money. You know, they've never really had to endure uh, financial hardships, not saying that their personal lives have been easy. I don't know, you know, too much about that. I'm sure that everybody everybody has their demons and everybody has their cross to bear. But the financial one has always stressed me out because, you know, like I remember I had the same bedroom as my, my mom, my brother, my sister. We would put a blanket up in between the room to separate the boys from the girls so the girls can get changed and the boys can get changed. And... You know, at the time, you don't think of anything of it because it's all you know, right? But, I mean, props to my mom, dude. She's fucking, she's a fucking beast. And props to my dad, dude, for just stepping up and doing what he needs to do, you know? And like, or not even what he needs to do. But he sees these kids. He sees this woman. He falls in love with this woman. And he falls in love with these kids. And in it, he has the family that he's always wanted. And he's he's 20 years older than my mom. And so there's a big age gap. And I'm sure there's some some issues, you know, there with both of them. But, you know, I just... It's weird, the things you think of when you become older. Especially, like, since I've become a dad. And my... My mother and my my dad divorced a couple of years ago, and my mom is remarried now. And you know, I doubt that her husband listens to this podcast, so I think I'm pretty safe to say. But I don't think they're happy. I don't see the relationship working, just from an observation, you know. And and it's kind of sad. I just want my mom to be happy. And I just want my dad to be happy. And one of the strongest things about my dad, I know that he battles with his own demons with depression, but he is a very strong man, a very, a man of few words. And he will never complain. You will never hear him complain about anything. He'll suck it up and he'll fucking get the job done no matter what. And I love that about my dad. And I'm not talking, I'm not saying that men can't talk about issues. That's not what I'm saying. But 
he always figures his shit out and he gets the job done. He does what needs to be done. He provides for his family. And he is now he's a lot better with verbal communication. Me and him have had some great conversations. And I am so appreciative of him because he's helped me so much. And so I don't know where I'm going with this fucking podcast. I sound like I sound like an emo kid obsessed with my chemical romance right now. Jesus Christ. Which, for the record, good band. Uh, that one song, I'm Not Afraid. But I'm always afraid, dude. I'm always afraid. Yeah, and I'm afraid of everything. Every time I wake up, I get anxious. Every time, like last night, I couldn't fall asleep. I was wandering around, you know, wandering around my house. Till three in the morning and just not even doing anything, just sitting there like a goddamn psycho. Not even like, I was kind of playing a video game, uh, God of War, love that game, but uh, you know, I couldn't really, my mind was just racing. And I need to figure out a way to shut it down. Not shut it down, but just use it. To my advantage. Because sometimes I'll have good days. Sometimes I'll have bad days. In the winter, they're more bad days than good days. But my son, I'm so excited because he likes the snow. And he wants it to snow so bad. And it's so cold out right now, but there's no snow. So there's nothing to do outside. At least if there was snow, we could go play. You know? And... I just need some snow, man, so we can go outside and play in the snow, make some snow angels. And, you know, I'm just really excited to see him. It's Wednesday today, so I get to see him tomorrow. And I'm really, really, really excited. Uh, I am a little bummed, because this weekend uh, I'm going to a wedding. My girlfriend's friend's from college are getting married and I'm excited to like you know I know my girlfriend wants to go and she's really excited to go to their wedding but that means that I only get to see my son on Sunday I, get, I, I can't see him on Saturday to Sunday which is you know that's you need to make your relationship work and you got to do things and I get that um, but it is a bummer that I won't be able to see my son on Saturday and I just want him to know, you know, it's not that I don't want to see him. I would totally rather do that than go to this fucking wedding, to be honest. I mean, but I want to make my girlfriend happy. And I want her to know that I love her and I value her. And, you know, she's she's a great woman. She's the strongest woman I know besides my mom. And... You know, just a couple emo kids today. Sorry, guys, if I'm bringing you down. I just feel like, you know, when, uh, once in a while, we'll open up, open up Pandora's box. Uh, you know, I saw that Tyson Fury fight the other day. And Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. Very highly anticipated boxing match. And a few months before the, the fight, Tyson Fury had gone on to Joe Rogan's podcast. Sorry, had to drink some water. Um, and he went on Tyson's Fury, or I'm sorry, he went on Rogan's podcast, 
we really opened up about mental health and dealing with depression and like just abusing the fuck out of his body and just going into a dark place and you know substance abuse and just being not in the right mind and having negative energy, negative people around him, people bringing him down and being stuck in his own head. And it really stuck out to me. And then he had this fight with Deontay Wilder, one of the best fighters in the world, and had a really good fight. And he got knocked the fuck down in twice, twice. And each time, like, you thought he was straight out cold, like how fast he hit the floor. And it was terrifying. But he got right back up. He got back up. And he stayed the course. And the fight ended up being a draw. The only reason why he lost that fight was because he got dropped. Okay? No, I'm sorry. Lost the, fight. the fight was a draw. Um, but the only reason it went to a draw. Other than that, he outpointed him. He outboxed him. He outmaneuvered him. And then he said something at the end of the fight when the referee was talking to him. He's like, and I'm sure I'm butchering this, but he's just like, I did this all for you guys with mental health issues. Like, when you get knocked down, you got to get back up. You got to get back up and you, you cannot let these moments define you. And that fucking lit a fire under my ass, dude. And, you know, I don't want to make this like a uh, self-help podcast by any means. I do want it to be funny I do want to keep it silly but I do also want people to know it's okay to talk about this shit and it's okay to you know it's okay I feel like a lot of men you know people in general but uh, a lot of men don't feel comfortable talking about this and you know I'm not a tough guy by any means but you know, I was, I'm not a, I'm not a wimp either. You know, I can still be comfortable who I am and, and talk about this shit. It's okay. So it's okay. And we all have our issues and we all have our demons. But as long as we can just be open and be connected with each other, we can get through the storm, you know? So thank you guys for letting me open up. If you like this podcast, uh, great. If not, I mean, don't troll my fucking Facebook page about it. I have my first troll, by the way, uh, on social media. That was a little weird. Um, and I kind of let it get to me, dude. I'm not going to lie. It kind of hurt my feelings because you like this fucking douchebag uh, made up a Facebook profile. Like um, I just made it up just to troll so I wouldn't know who he or she was. And it pissed me off this morning. I woke up. And saw that right away this morning. And I'm just like, dude, what the hell? And, like, I was talking to my buddy Drew, uh, Milwaukee Mayhem alumni, um, Drew Flaggy. And I just sent him sent him some of the stuff. And he texts back. He's like, dude, that's some fucked up shit. He's like, don't let that get you. He's like, don't even engage with it. It's stupid. You know, and he's just like, you're doing a good thing. And, you know, don't let one loser get to you. And he's right, man. I can't can't let people get to me. Because it's never good when you when you let outside things get to you. So we'll leave it on that, man. 
Thank you for letting me open up. Um, I always think that we're doing something good. I always think we're doing something good. And I always love the fact that, you know, you guys are you're listening. You guys are having fun. If there's any ideas that you guys want me to go from, I mean, please let me know. Uh, message me, DM me. Uh, on social media, whatever you guys want to do, text me if you got my number, whatever. Uh, but you know, I want to want to keep this open. So whatever anybody anybody has good ideas and good guests that I should have on that I'm not aware of, I'd like to know about that. I want to keep things keep things going, and I want you to know that I really, really, really do uh, appreciate appreciate all this feedback that I've been getting because 99% of it has been super positive. Uh, and then just, I mean, the, <laughs> there's that one douchebag this morning, I guess is the only one, um, that I have had any negative experience, but I mean, you know, I've had other than that, it's just nothing, nothing but positive vibes from everybody. So I do really, really appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being there. So I think uh, on that, I'm going to leave you with a song to kind of uh, just go on and out. This is Good Lord by Brother Ali. This is a good jam. I like this jam. Uh, I've been feeling it a lot lately. And, you know, I don't know if I believe in God, but... I do believe in being comfortable in your own shoes. And this song has a good message, so check it out. I said a good Lord made me worse, and I played this game for keeps. Gotta use what I have to get what I want, all the dream of God is his dream. And the good Lord made me what I am, and I played the hand I'm dealt. Believe the Quran influenced all of my songs. My friends run a tattoo them all on their arms. Wanna try to be there every time I perform. Now look me in my eye and tell me how am I wrong? And who would have thought? Just giving them the truth from my heart, both the ugly and the beautiful part. We give them food for thought, let them chew it apart. And they'd all crowd around me and my movement would start. And how you gonna hate me for being what God made me? It's not a game, I ain't saying it playfully. They relate to the joy and the pain in me and seeing me make it be what. Watching a slave get free, holler like Bilal in the tower. Hey, yeah, Ali, Bilal, Allah is the power. Give a voice to the dream and let it be seen. How that it's obscene, but Dean recognized me. So it isn't pristine when I spit a 16. Clean words don't describe the shit that I've seen. But laying in the alley, I whispered the Shahada. Bullets fly by from the drive-by. So we man behind and Mike Pound on the podium. Pop Master Fable working out on the linoleum. Chappelle bust Bunny's most deaf bus rocks. Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time. I said, good Lord made me what I am. And I play this game for keeps. Gotta use what I have to get what I want. All the dream of God is his dream. And the good Lord made me what I am. And I play the hand I'm dealt. Yeah, sometimes the hardest thing Spiritual happen when them hands get to clapping. Can you tell me what language do you laugh in? The human reaction of smiles and cries. What language are the tears when they're falling from your eyes? You've probably seen the sunrise hundreds of times. But let a painter paint it or a poet describe.
watched the light come outside. Uh, Satan doubted it. Angels bowed to it. I'm so beautifully human and I'm proud of it. Soul of a soldier, heart of a scholar. I wrote this poem with the blood of a martyr. He man Muhammad might pound on the podium. Pop master Faber, work it out on the linoleum. Chappelle bus funny's most deaf bus rhymes. Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time. Good Lord made me what I am and I play this game for keeps. the hardest thing in the world to be is just yourself. That's true. Get comfortable in your own skin. It's okay. We are who we are and we're all one. See you guys.